people I'm in full goat mode on garden. Goat mode? Greatest of all time. Did you know that? No. Yes, I'm in full goat mode on gardening. I got everything planted. I'm starting even my second succession planting of squash and cucumbers. Got this up, got green beans up. Now what have you got going on? My onions are bulbing. I've got zinnias. I've got sunflowers. i got okra started in the greenhouse. Potatoes are going good. It's just... It's that time, ain't it? It's good time. Good time. Welcome everyone to the Row by Row Garden Show, the best daggum garden show on the radio and the internet as well. Glad to have you this evening, Mama Hoss in the house. And you're in full flower mode, I'm in full vegetable mode. Mm -hmm. Of course you got your vegetables going too, but I think you got more flowers because you I, started I, way ahead of I did Yeah, I've got more flowers. I'll let you do the spring garden and right. then I'll do a little. However, mid. I'm fixing to kick it in high gear on flowers. You are. Yeah. And that's what this show is about this evening. Mm -hmm. Not flowers, although we're going to be talking about flowers, but it's about pollinators and how important pollinators are to your garden or your ecosystem there and why you should be concerned and how you can do that. And at the end of the show, we got something a little bit special for you. How about that? Stay tuned to the end. I promise you, you won't regret it. Maybe the first video we ever shot. Yeah, it, well, it actually is. Yeah, it may not be family. Yeah, oriented. Oriented. Might be a few words in there. A word or two. A word or two. Yep. Listen closely. Yep. All right, so we got some new seed varieties we want to go over. You know, y'all love these new seed varieties. So we're going to touch on those. All right. You want to talk about this one? You got to get your glasses, don't you? Glorious Gleam Nasturtium Mix. Mm -hmm. Have you planted that one? No, I haven't. That's a good one to put on your list to do. So nasturtiums are wonderful to grow. We have this new mix here. Just turn it around so they can see the back. Oh, the back. Okay, sorry. We're going to throw a picture up there. All right. And the next one is Jester Pumpkin. Now this is a smaller pumpkin. You can use it as an ornamental or a eating pumpkin, but it's a nice orange-looking pumpkin right there. I'd make, I think it'd make a great addition to your pumpkin repertoire. And the next one is Mr. Ruby Red Onion. Yes, it is a red onion, and it is a long-day onion. So we felt like we needed another onion for you uh, long-day guys. We got uh, candy, which I believe is a... Uh, Intermediate day, and we got this one now that is a long day red onion for you folks up north. I meant to bring one of my red onions. They doing good? They are doing excellent. Oh, I'm excited about this one. Magnolia Blossom Pea. That, the name just sounds. It is. Whoever did the naming on that right there mm -hmm. deserves an attaboy, girl. Snap Pea? Snap Pea. It's a good one. You can actually eat the tendrils on as, as well. So yeah, it's a great one right there. So you can eat it young and then... Uh, I don't think it makes a pea. It's more of a snap pea. Oh, okay. A sugar pea. A snap So when you pea. say tendrils, what do you mean? The little tendrils that go into little wiry type things. There's tendrils on the pea. You could eat those. If you wanted to. You could make a good salad with them. Make a good salad pea there. That's a good one right there. Our product picture on this one's off the chain. It's worth going look at just looking at our product picture. And then we got Mr. Tomatillo. Purple. Tomatillo. Purple Tomatillo. Yep. Grow you some of those. 
and then we have got indigo sun f1 so this is a new tomato we brought on this year it's a hybrid oh man awesome awesome cherry tomato it's the color on this thing is to 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 die with it's, it's kind of a yellowish and it has this dark color over the top mm. of it man it's pretty good stuff for you gonna plant some of those you know i'm I may plant some of those. I've got a couple of the unique cherry tomatoes growing, but I may plant me some of those. I love those cherry tomatoes. Make wonderful snacks. And then we have Mr. Tom, T-H-O-M, multiplying onions. We are starting to harvest these. What we're doing, folks, is we're putting a limited supply every Monday morning on, uh, on inventory. And you can buy these, and we're probably going to sell out before the end of the week, but don't worry, next Monday we'll put some more in. So be sure to sign up for the restock notification. Yep, yep. And then... Uh, but Mr. Hoss can only pull so much. I can only... This falls, this particular project falls directly on my shoulders, and uh, I can only do so many of them. So therefore, we're going to do a limited amount every week, put them in the inventory. When those go on, we'll put more in there the following Monday here, probably for the next five or six weeks. Until they're gone. Yeah, well, and, you know, it gets too hot, you know, one to the other. So we're going to do that. Tom, multiplying onions there. So you get 15. 15 for like 15 bucks or something like that right there. And, you know, you think 15 is not going to be enough, but I can promise you this right here. In no time, you'll have more onions you know what to right. do. Right, you plant them six to eight inches apart. Yeah, multiplying onions. So they multiply. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to do a video on that, but I'm going to give a quick, okay. If you live in zone eight, zone nine, you can grow these things year round. Grow them in the summertime, pull them up, uh, split them, plant them again in the fall, grow them all winter long. So you can have onions growing year round. Now you guys, seven, zone seven or north, grow them in the summertime, dig them in the fall, put them in the barn, hold them over, those bubbles dry out, plant them again, come springtime and you got onions all summer long. A great eating onion. Tom multiplying onion. T-H-O-M. T-H-O-M. Named after. Thomasville, Georgia. That's where we got one of the strains from. We got three different strains originally started with. Uh, Thomasville, Georgia, out of Alabama and Texas. And we ended up, there wasn't a whole lot of difference between all three of them. I thought they would be more different than what they are, but they wasn't a whole lot of difference. So we ended up named the Tom, T-H-O-M. I thought that was a fitting name. Mm -hmm. I felt like the onion needed a name. Okay. So we have the Tom multiplying onions all right folks we're talking about pollinators yeah, show our flowers oh yeah look at that just sit them right there yeah how about that right there you know this shrimp plant here mm -hmm. the pollinators really love that have you noticed and, and hummingbirds the hummingbirds love yep. that shrimp plant right we've had that since we built the house in 1995. Mm -hmm. yep then we have some amaryllis there um some a yellow is it a daisy out of the wildflower probably is a type of a daisy yeah some rosemary some basil right here some basil and then these white flowers i'm not sure what the proper name is them name of them are i call it a snowball tree because yep. it looks like big snowballs it's sort of like a hydrangea but it's early mm -hmm. um i wish i could smell that yep but need to say this is not about blooming flowers doing bouquets so you guys don't leave us yet okay we're talking about no we're talking about pollinators yep and why is it important to have pollinators in the garden and a strategy to keep pollinators now according to google 
one out of every third mouthful of food you take is influenced by bees or pollinators. So pollinators within our food source is a very important component of our food system. There. Also, it has a lot to do with just our normal ecosystem. I mean, think about the things that feed off the pollinators that goes on up the food chain. So it's a very important part of our system that has had some trouble in the last few years. And some of that, or most of that, is due to us humans, some of the practices that we picked up on that we probably need to change a little bit if we can. What is a pollinator? A pollinator is anything that transfers pollen. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. You're correct. Yep. So even uh, mostly when we think about pollinators, we think about insects. We think about bees. bees. I mean, that's what everybody thinks about. But you can have haphazard pollination from birds and accidental, bats. Accidental. Yeah. yeah, things like that. Butterflies. Butterflies. Butterflies are pretty good pollinators, but they can also be accidental pollinators. Ants. Ants. Ants, believe it or not, ants can be accidental Flies. pollinators. Yeah. Flies. Things like that can get into pollen and carry it to another plant. Not not directly associated with the act of pollinating, but it just accidentally transfers. It sticks transfers. to their bodies and then they mm -hmm. transfer somewhere else. Yep. So some of the things that we have done here on our homestead over the last few years to change the way we look at this whole pollination thing is we've created a wildflower here. Mm -hmm. So we've got an area the other side of our house that is a it's a pine thicket you might say and we've gradually took the thicket part out of it so it's just pine trees and pine straw and we planted a large area of wildflower mix out there about three years ago and believe it or not it has done really really yeah. well. We're on the third year it's mm -hmm. just starting to bloom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I keep a bunch of, like in the spring, most of my raised beds are flowers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I keep flowers going throughout the year. Right. And you always plant flowers in your garden. I do always plant flowers. I enjoy flowers being part of, it's part of my strategy in my garden. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we do is we don't, we don't view weeds as most people do. So the definition of a weed is a plant out of place. That by saying a weed can mean different things to different people. We have changed the way we view weeds over the last few years. So to give an example of that, you've seen those houses in these suburbs in town where everything is manicured and everything is perfect, not a, uh, almost say a weed, not a weed out there. It's all what we call monocultural. It's all one type of grass and everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. That is not necessarily our strategy at no. Homestead. So we, have, we, we have a lot of flowers in our grass. We have a lot of flowers in our grass, <laughs> especially in the springtime, late winter. Those winter weeds are starting to flower. They used to bother us a little bit. but they Dandelions. Don't, dandelions. Clover. We don't let thistles. Of course, we don't have much thistles, but there's a few out back. We don't let hop clovers one up. Let me show you this one right here. I just pulled this out from uh, out earlier. That is a bloom off a white Dutch clover that's in our ditch. Mm -hmm. We have a decent amount of that. That doesn't bother us as well either. Most people would be considering that a weed. But to us, we're not considering that a weed. We just consider it a normal part of the way nature evolves and, and carries on. 
This is what I'm trying to say is don't get tied up in trying to keep a monoculture or this plush grass lawn out there is not necessarily beneficial to your pollinators. Letting those weeds or letting those plants bloom out and let the bees come here and have something to feed on is a pretty good idea, a pretty good strategy to have. Now we live in a very rural area, mm -hmm. but even across the street, which is a field, there's none of this over there. Oh, wow. And the reason why is because the county sprays herbicides. They won't spray in our yard, but as soon as they go past our yard, they turn the sprayer back on, they spray all the ditch banks. So they don't have to mow them. So they don't have to mow them. This is an accepted practice that started just a few years ago in our area where they don't do near as much mowing now. They do a lot more spraying, and it's had a dramatic impact on our pollinators because you remember back in the day, this time of the year, when you went down the highway or the interstate and where there was these strawberry-looking plants on the side mm -hmm. of the road, well, that was clover. Mm -hmm. Now you don't see near as much as that because they spray to kill these clovers and stuff where they don't have to mow as much. And there goes our bees. And there goes a lot of the natural habitat for our bees. Same thing in our lawns. When we, when we take all these things out that have their purpose to try to make us feel better about what we're doing, sometimes we have an adverse effect. Mm -hmm. Now let me do a little disclaimer here. I'm not trying to make any of y'all feel bad because I have probably sprayed more herbicides in my life than most of y'all out there combined together. I used to make my living doing that. And I'm not necessarily proud of it, but that's the way things evolved early on in our life. But we don't do that anymore. I'm gonna give you an example okay. of how some people view this kind of stuff in the yard. There used to be a client I had he lived in this big fine home in town and he got up every morning and drank his coffee and he walked around in his yard with little flags <laughs> and he flagged anything that he felt like didn't need to be there. So if it was not a particular type of grass, I don't care what it was, it could have been one sprig, he would flag it. Then he would want somebody to come over there and take care of it. Yeah. Me to come over there and take care of it. You know, and that to me is the type of attitude we should not have. Now there's gonna be certain things that, that need that's gonna be out of place. To give you an example of that, we have a weed around here called fireweed. We try to get that out of here because it is a it hurts. It hurts. I mean there is particular and stickers. We don't worry with stickers a lot. Yeah. But some people do, but they do cause some problems. But try to understand why these plants have their purpose and just try to let them go. Try to enjoy the beauty of that. And I don't want to get too tree huggers mm -hmm. here, yeah. but try to enjoy the beauty of that and its purpose and uh, without getting caught up on everything being perfect. Did you know that over 19 billion of crop production is pollinated by insect pollinators? That's what they say. That's what they say. A lot, a lot. Bees have a huge effect. Pollinators have a huge effect on their, our climate. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, you know, just with the natural things of keeping plants going, keeping species going, what if we didn't have bees? Right. We 70, would leave a lot of species out. 75% of our plants need pollinators. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a lot. That is a lot. So what are pollinators and what should we strive to do about that? All right, so the, when you think pollinators, the number one you think about is the honeybee, mm -hmm. right? So. We have honeybees, and we call the honeybees, we're going to call that, those are managed bees. Those bees that you buy, the beekeeper brings out there, or you can buy them and put them in the hive. Then we have native bees. 
Now, I've noticed here at our place, we have a lot more native bees, and some of these are honeybees than mm -hmm. we used to have. Yeah, I have a lot of honeybees on my um, sassuma tree. Mm -hmm. We don't have any honeybees, managed honeybees on our place right now, but we do have a decent amount of those. Or is that bumblebees? No, we have honeybees and bumblebees, but I've noticed a good many uh, honeybees in the last month here. I had some scouts move in. Those scouts move in and try to find a place to nest. Mm -hmm. So we have honeybees. We're going to classify those as the managed kind. Then we have the native bees. Then we have bumblebees. We have wasps. Did you know wasps actually do pollination? No, I didn't. A lot of times we get upset with wasps because they sting us, but they have their points. Mm -hmm. They eat uh, aphids and bad bugs. Plus they do a little bit of pollination. We have mason bees. So there's several different kind of bees out there that will pollinate. Do we have mason bees here? We do have mason bees here. What about uh, butterflies? Oh yeah, I have a lot of butterflies. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of hummingbirds mm -hmm. down at the house. Right. And I don't have really a hummingbird feeder per se. I have one, but I don't fill it up. But they, I have a lot of hummingbirds and they feed off the nectar and the flowers. Mm -hmm. So all that is important. So a strategy that you could have is not spray herbicides in your lawn or your uh, adjacent area unless it's warranted or a particular plant that natural you can get habitat. Natural habitat. What's natural for your area. Mm -hmm. So when we get into vegetable garden, now I always have a strategy of using some kind of flowers in my garden to attract the pollinators in there. Mm -hmm. Zinnias and sunflowers are the two that I prefer. You grow a lot of celosia. Now, celosia. Um, what was the other one? Uh, hibiscus, lantana. Roselle hibiscus, they love mm -hmm. that. Um, salvia, I got some salvia. Mm -hmm. A little side note on lantana, if you got livestock, mm -hmm. you want to be careful lantana. Lantana is extremely toxic to cattle. So don't have lantana. I'm not a big lantana fan anyway, but don't have, because it's a little bit on the invasive side. But uh, lantana is good for pollinators, but it's Bad for yeah. livestock. We have some at the end of the driveway, yeah. is all. Yep. Yeah, we used to have that. What about the one calendrum? Uh-huh. You grow a lot of that in the springtime. So mm -hmm. I personally stick to sunflowers and zinnias mm -hmm. in my garden. And then I also have herbs. Your mm -hmm. basil, um, any of those herbs that flower, you have to let them flower out. But the bees are attracted to that. And then they're attracted to mint for the fragrance. Mm -hmm. Lavender for the fragrance. Yep. So you may find this interesting. We didn't know this to hear a while back, but you know, there's people out there that's allergic to bees, mm -hmm. deadly allergic to bees. We have a cousin that is. And she was visiting us and she was talking about this right here and she brought something to my attention that I didn't have a clue. She always wears black clothes. Solid black. She said the doctor told her that because bees were not attracted to black, but they are attracted to bright colors. They like yellow, purple, and blue. Mm-hmm. And they like fragrance stuff. So she wears no perfume. And always wears black. And solid black because she's highly allergic. Do you think that's the reason Johnny Cash always wore, wore black? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Nope. And butterflies. Now, where bees are attracted to those colors, butterflies are attracted to purple, white, and pink. Mm -hmm. All those bright and less, less to the green and blues. Yep. And then you got hummingbirds. Um, they're not really attracted to scented stuff, but the nectar-rich stuff. Mm -hmm. Now you have certain crops in the garden that are really dependent upon pollinators. And these are gonna be squash, mm -hmm. cucumbers, 
What else? Pumpkins. Pumpkins. Any of the cucurbits. Watermelons. Watermelons. Cantaloupes. Any of those melons. You got to have pollinators to make those plants. So if you don't have natural pollinators, you want to bring those bees in to help with that. Now, a lot of times we'll have people call in, especially for squash, mm -hmm. and they'll say, my squash is rotting off. I think I got blossom end rot. Well, you can get blossom end rot with squash, but most of the time when those fruits are put on there and they rot right there at the end or they mis misformed, that is a pollination issue. We've even seen it in watermelons before. They'll come out and be oblong. So cucumbers. They'll be, it's a pollination issue. So if you got any of those things that we mentioned right there, it's so important to have pollination here to make those fruits, you know, be like they should and pretty productive. Mm -hmm. There is, if you watched last week's show, there is exceptions to a couple of those rules. We have some cucumbers that are called, help me here now. Eureka. Well, no, that's the... Oh, the parthenocarpic. Parthenocarpic, which means that they need no pollination. And one of those varieties is Eureka. So if you don't have any pollinators, you could plant one of those right there and still make it. They were specifically designed for the greenhouse industry where they didn't have pollinators. But we do have a few of those. Those are exceptions out there. And uh, as far as squash goes, I think, as Peter mentioned last week, there's one over in England that's a, what they call a parth squash. None of them available here in the United States that we are aware of. So any of those things, like got to have pollinators. Now, the things that you don't have to have pollinators for is okra. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Peppers. Eggplants. Eggplants. Green beans, lima beans. Corn. Sweet peas, peanuts. Mm -hmm. Anything that you grow on the ground, like turnips. Any root vegetables. Collards, any of those things. You don't need bees for those to produce those. So those are not a, a big issue. So you got to make sure that you plan for those that do have to have pollinators. And make sure you have a strategy to have the pollinators there when ready. When I was a young man, we stayed in the woods all the time. Now back then, y'all follow along with me because this is going to stretch your imagination a little bit. There was a lot of virgin temper. And the virgin timbers ones that's never been cut, and these had what we call cat faces in them. And that cat faces where that tree up about this high had been scored and put a, a turpentine pan on. Mm -hmm. And they would collect the turpentine off the pine trees. But they would score it like that. Well, after they got through harvesting the turpentine, the tree would attempt to heal up somewhat, but it always left this cavity in there. And that's where the native uh, honeybees would build these huge nests inside of these cavities of this uh, pine tree that has been harvested for turpentine. They was everywhere. Now there's none. Mm -hmm. I don't does ever remember when I was coming up, anybody planting watermelons and cantaloupes that they had to bring bees in on because there was enough native bees. But things have changed. With all the development we've had, all those pine trees that had those turpentine scars are gone. So therefore now the game has changed. You've got to get some bees. And I've got to get some bees. Now we have a decent amount of bees here, but I want to make, I'm going to bring a hive of bees in just to make sure that I got enough to pollinate our squash and watermelons and stuff like that. Because old horse here is all in on watermelons. Mm -hmm. Got two patches planted. Yellow watermelon, yellow doll, and sangria, a mm -hmm. bunch of them. So we're all in on that right there. Got to have them bees to make sure we make a big crop we can share with everybody. Share under Have the all them watermelons out yeah. there. All right, exceptions to, uh, let's see here. Oh, we talked about that with the Parth carpet. The greenhouse cucumbers, that's the ones they use. 
So you've seen those in store that they wrap up nice and straight and everything. Those are the par cucumbers right there. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Pollinators. Pollinators. So we're going to show you this little clip here right now, but we've got to give you just a little bit of insight on this clip. We promised this to you at the end of the show. Back, way back, the first video we ever did, and this was off the cuff. Yeah. We didn't plan this here. No, we had actually fed these bees. We. Yeah. You'd always have me hold the stuff yeah, while you, you lifted. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. We. we. We had a hive of bees that was fairly docile. And I told Sheila one day, I said, you know what? We're going to film this. So we did it with a phone. And you'll just have to see what happens. Hey, at this Greg Hewitt Hoss Tools, today what we're going to do is we're going to feed the bees. Now this is the winter time and the bees don't have a lot of honey flow, therefore we need to feed them to get them through the winter. And what I have here is a bee patty. And what I'm going to do is take that top off right there and I'm going to place the bee patty in there and this will give them a good bit of feed for a long period of time. Now the tools you need to do this is very important and you really need to pay attention. What you need is a good EDC flashlight. You need a good EDC fixed blade knife. You also need a good EDC backup knife. Okay. Then you need a hive tool. And I always recommend when you do this kind of stuff here, wear some good overalls, okay? So follow me in here and let's get started. Now when you're working with bees, you need to make sure you stay real calm, okay? What I'm going to do is take the lid off here. And you also must make sure you got a good person assistant with you to help you that's not going to panic and that's going to get upset, okay? So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bust this top off right here and get in there and see what's going on. I can hear them swarming in there. Okay. Come on in here and let's take a look at it. See what I had put in there earlier is just about gone. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to place this right here on top and I'm going to be easy now, okay? This about me everywhere! <laughs> all right so now that you watched that video i hope that enlightened you a little bit always be prepared if you're dealing with bees. i have okay? a calm assistant yep all right so now we're going to draw for the old goat siding siding from last week you want to draw out of it can't look <gasps> spa diva all right send us your Address to the customer serve email, customerserveathostools.com. We'll get you some coveted horse merchandise in the mail. And one more time, we want to remind people about Petals of the Past mm -hmm. coming up April the 23rd, 9 to 5. Mm -hmm. um, there's a link below if you want to go. It's totally free. There's going to be five or six YouTubers there, as well as Antiques of the Garden. It's going to be a big time. And an awesome um, garden show. Yep. All right, I got a little, uh, my turn this week, do a little corny joke. How about that? Okay. What did the bee say to the flower? Mm -hmm. Hello, honey. Hello, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Uh -huh. Yep. 
Thank y'all for joining us. Hope we give you some inspiration and be friendly to those pollinators. Create you a strategy so that you can encourage those native pollinators to come in there. And if you have other pollinators that you have to bring in to be good to those as well. So now it's time for you to get out there and get dirty.